in this episode. In flow, brain activity is actually much slower than the default state of consciousness, which helps to suppress activity in the left side of the brain, the explicit system, which is used for logic and problem solving. And instead, it promotes the right side of the brain, which is the creative, thinking outside the box, implicit system. Learn to perform. Practical lessons so that you can immediately learn to optimize your health, happiness, and performance. For today's gratitude expression, I want to express gratitude to every teacher, coach, and mentor that I have had that has inspired me to push beyond my comfort zone, think critically, and seek novelty. By observing and interacting with brilliant minds, I have become inspired to learn about everything and anything, opening up my mind to new possibilities and passions. So, with that, thank you to everyone who has opened my eyes to new possibilities. In this episode, we're going to talk about the importance of learning. Everyone is capable of learning, yet very few people care to understand what it takes to be a great learner. In addition, while people are seeking to improve their life, whether that be their career, relationships, health, happiness, or otherwise, very few people make learning a priority. Jim Quick, a highly respected brain performance coach, argues that learning how to learn is the most important skill that anyone can master for two reasons. First, knowing how to learn anything gives you the potential to learn everything. And secondly, skills are rapidly becoming obsolete in the dynamic global economy. Tom Bilyeu of Impact Theory states something similar, that, quote, skills have utility, end quote. Learning unlocks these doors. So what's the bottom line? Anyone that has ever wanted to do anything, ever, has had to learn first. From standard life skills such as walking, to speaking, to driving, to highly specialized talents such as throwing the perfect curveball, quantum mechanics, or dissecting human psychology, the process always involves learning. Without question, learning has the ability to upgrade your health, happiness, and performance. In this episode, we are going to start by reviewing the neuroscience of learning, and then cover some techniques to take your learning ability to the next level. So to begin, let's quickly review some basic neuroscience to understand how learning works. It has been reported that there are, on average, 86 billion neurons, which are brain cells, in the average adult human brain. Neurons transfer information through electrical excitation using neurotransmitters, which are kindly referred to as chemical messengers by Stanford neuroendocrinologist Robert Sapolsky, to transfer electrical charges across synapses, which are microscopic gaps between neurons. Learning occurs through the creation and repetition of synaptic connections. In Claudio Fazer's 2016 book, When Execution Isn't Enough, Decoding Inspirational Leadership, he says, quote, The brain changes or gets rewired throughout life. It gets rewired as a result of where it focuses its attention, the insights it develops, and the experiences it has, end quote. In fact, research going back to 2001 affirms this idea by stating that the prefrontal cortex has, quote, ongoing plasticity that is adaptive to the demands of new tasks, end quote. Interestingly, it is widely accepted that children are the best learners, and it would make sense because their brains are developing at a rapid rate. But in fact, not only can plasticity occur throughout entire lifespans, but it is also suggested that sensory neurons can be adjusted and even reversed at later stages in life. Increasingly, evidence shows that adult brains are capable of learning, improving memory, and even recovering from brain damage through the activation of synaptic plasticity, albeit at a reduced rate from childhood. So, the brain is capable of changing in structure and function in response to stimulus. But are there environments or conditions that are more favorable for learning? It turns out, yes, there are. In particular, 
the highly regarded and often elusive state of flow, often referred to as being in a zone or a peak experience. A flow state was described by Stephen Kotler as, quote, an optimal state of consciousness, a peak state where we both feel our best and perform our best, end quote. Flow alters brain function, including brain waves. Research shows that brain waves during flow are typically in the high theta, which is between 3 and 8 hertz, or low alpha, which is between 8 and 12 hertz, ranges, known for being states of high concentration and focus. For context, theta brainwaves normally coincide with sleep and deep meditation, alpha waves being the calm, relaxing, resting state of the brain, and beta waves, which range from 12 to 38 hertz, being our normal state of consciousness. So, in flow, brain activity is actually much slower than the default state of consciousness, which helps to suppress activity in the left side of the brain, the explicit system, which is used for logic and problem solving. And instead, it promotes the right side of the brain, which is the creative, thinking outside the box, implicit system. So not only can flow states help to increase problem solving and creativity, but they can help to reinforce learned patterns. Pattern recognition is a primary method in which learning occurs. When correctly learning patterns, dopamine is released to reward the system and encourage repetition. Ever heard the expression, neurons that fire together, wire together? Another benefit of flow is that the theta-alpha brainwaves of the implicit system are a necessary prerequisite to capturing aha moments, short bursts of gamma activity, such as the famous Archimedes in the bathtub. Add in the fact that flow facilitates the transformation of learned patterns into full-blown extrasensory perception, and you have a recipe to go from learner to super learner. And that's where we are going now. What does all of that mean for us? Now that we have done a very quick review of some of the basics of the neuroscience of learning, we can think in terms of practical application. In Limitless, Jim Quick identifies three key aspects of becoming a limitless learner. These three things are one, mindset, two, motivation, and three, methods. First, he argues that to learn, a person must eradicate their limiting beliefs. This concept of believing in the potential to learn new information at any age and under any circumstances including learning disabilities, ties closely with the work of Carol Dweck's mindset and Norman Doidge's The Brain That Changes Itself. For more on a growth mindset and neuroplasticity, I encourage you to go back and listen to episode four for a complete review. And for even more, I highly encourage you to check out the Huberman Lab podcast with Stanford's Dr. Andrew Huberman, who has multiple extensive episodes on neuroplasticity and learning. Now, back to Jim Quick. His second point, motivation. Each person must understand and clarify their purpose. Why do they want to learn? This is a highly personalized reflection on personal values and objectives. To further understand the relationship between your why and your ability to succeed in learning new skills, Simon Sinek's Start With Why is a highly recommended read. Ultimately, having a purpose and genuine passion are necessary to sustain the commitment and discipline required to effectively learn. Now, on to methods. Let's look at some of the key concepts that can either improve or hinder learning efficiency. First up, digital dementia. A term addressed in Quick's Limitless, digital dementia has become a massive learning impediment. Quick cites research that shows that instantly obtained information is easily forgotten, likely because information is so readily accessible. Just think about that supercomputer, aka your phone, that travels with you everywhere. As a result, people are losing the ability to think critically and actively recall information due to a lack of necessity. With less time spent thinking critically and creating information, our brains lose the ability to retain new information. Think of your brain like a muscle. 
If you don't use it, it will begin to break down. This is why it has been said that cognitively demanding tasks are excellent to prevent neurodegenerative brain disorders such as dementia and Alzheimer's. A significant body of research has connected learning new languages, instruments, and other critical thinking tasks with drastically improved brain health and performance. And for some amazing case studies, see Norman Deutsch's The Brain That Changes Itself. Next up, the forgetting curve. In 1885, Herman Ebbinghaus produced the forgetting curve that demonstrated a rapid drop in information retention after a short period of time. It was estimated that within an hour, humans will forget approximately 50% of what they just learned, with nearly 70% lost within a single day. In 2015, this study was replicated, indicating that the forgetting curve is a real phenomenon that stunts human learning. In both the original and replicated studies, memorization was shown to increase with spaced repetition, in which you review material at a gradually increasing intervals. Next, the Pomodoro Technique. Produced by Francesco Cerrito, the Pomodoro Technique identifies 25 minutes as the optimal time to perform any learning activity. After 25 minutes, information retention drops significantly, which drastically lowers learning efficiency. Therefore, after 25 minutes, it is recommended that you take a short break to allow the brain to reset. By doing so, learning may occur with optimized retention and efficiency. Now, as a caveat, Dr. Andrew Huberman has talked extensively about the optimal time for learning, and it varies greatly depending on circumstances and the individual. So this 25 minutes is more of a generalization. It is a great ballpark, but it may not necessarily be exactly based on your circumstances. On that note, the next point is context. It has been long reported that the brain learns through association, a process referred to as classical conditioning. This is how it works. A conditioned stimulus elicits a conditioned response. So, if you repeatedly learn French while listening to Baroque music, the brain will naturally correlate the Baroque music, the stimulus, with the learning of French, the response. Therefore, context matters. Stimulus can come in many forms. Location, smells, tastes, sounds, memories, and or emotions. In fact, quick notes that recalling specific sensations and emotions are capable of creating stronger memories. Next up, reading. Ever heard the expression that leaders are readers? Many of the world's most successful leaders are known for reading around 50 books a year. Elon Musk, Mark Zuckerberg, Oprah Winfrey, Warren Buffett, Barack Obama, and many others are known for making reading a top priority in their life. Perhaps you should consider renaming your book club to Billionaire's Club. But how can anyone possibly read that much? Well, here are a few tips. First, Jim Quick trains people to become highly efficient speed readers, and it's absolutely worth checking out. You can go to his website, and I will include the link. I have tried it out before, and I can say that my reading speed, although perhaps short-lived as I haven't tested in a long time, did improve. And if with continual practice, you can definitely improve your reading efficiency. In addition, look to become highly efficient with your time, seeking out opportunities to increase learning. For example, during your commute, read books, ebooks, listen to podcasts, or audiobooks. Secondly, trade TV for a book. Instead of throwing on Netflix, open up a book. Find a book you're interested in and start reading. Additionally, there is lots of gap periods throughout the day where you can listen to audiobooks or podcasts while cooking, eating, working out, or many other activities. Further, apps like Blinkist and Readwise are terrific sources of condensed and accessible books and information. I highly recommend you check them out. And the final one we'll talk about is flow. Getting into flow is a lot more complicated, and I will dedicate an entire episode to the science of flow soon. But for now, a few key triggers to help get into flow. First, 
Flow can be triggered by novelty and unpredictability. Both of these stimulate dopamine release, which is important for pattern recognition, but they also significantly amplify focus, priming us for learning. Something as simple as brushing your teeth with your opposite hand or taking a new route home on your daily commute can suffice. By triggering new sensory inputs, the brain will respond to novelty by releasing dopamine and norepinephrine. The second idea is deep embodiment, or a heightened awareness of sensory inputs. Talking about neuroplasticity and learning, Dr. Andrew Huberman noted that the activation of the vestibular system, which is used for balance and spatial orientation, creates a perfect environment to rewire neural networks. Being off balance and disoriented may significantly increase learning potential, specifically neuroplasticity potential. Naturally, handstands may not be ideal while learning, especially if you can't do a handstand, but forms of yoga, martial arts, and balance and agility training may be excellent techniques to prime yourself for optimized learning. And although exercising is advertised as being great for learning, Dr. Huberman is skeptical that going for a run or lifting weights is sufficient to promote increased neuroplasticity because it does not create sufficient novelty. Of course, that doesn't mean that learning while exercising is bad. It just means that it may not be supercharged as often advertised. Food for thought. So what can you do? To summarize, there are lots of ways that you can optimize your learning. And by learning more effectively, you are giving yourself the skills required to unlock your potential. Here are a few tips for optimized learning. Number one, adopt a growth mindset. Believe you can learn anything and everything. Number two, know your why. Learning still takes work. Passion and purpose are critical to sustain learning and unlocking flow states. Number three, perform cognitively demanding tasks, such as learning languages or instruments. Increased stimulation forces the creation of new synaptic connections. Number four, use space repetition when reviewing new material. Number five, take short breaks after 25 minutes of studying. Move around or briefly meditate, but do not immediately check your phone or email. Number six, learn by association. Use senses, environment, and emotion to strengthen memory. Number seven, read. Read more and read even more. Of course, this can come in different forms. It doesn't have to be hard books. It can also be ebooks, audiobooks, podcasts, but the point is to consume more information. And number eight, seek flow through novelty, unpredictability, and deep embodiment. And that's where we will leave this one. Give these a try and see if you are able to take your learning to the next level. And stay tuned for an upcoming episode on the fascinating and groundbreaking topic of flow states. To close, some motivation from entrepreneur and author Eric Reese. He says, quote, The only way to win is to learn faster than everyone else. End quote. To discover more, this episode with all citations is available on the website, and you can also contact me on social media with any questions or comments. If you found this episode useful or think that it may help someone else, I encourage you to pass it along. Thank you all for joining me on this journey to lifelong health, happiness, and higher performance. And remember, always be grateful, love yourself, and serve others.